0: This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Craig Cabanis, the lead pastor, is the speaker for this message. If you have a Bible, open up to uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. My name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here. So if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, let me just extend a welcome to you and say thanks for being here we're in a series that we're calling Transformed, and today we're in Psalm 119, which is we're spending four weeks in Psalm 119. And uh, today we're going to look at verses 9 uh, through 16, so you can turn there if you want. Uh, And also, just to let you know, we're also as a church going through a study of this on our own. So uh, we have a booklet; it's a devotional study that's out outside. You can get on your way out if you don't have one already. Are you you guys jumping into this this week? Did you get involved in the in the study? So we're taking each day like eight verses and then ask you some questions that you can follow up on. I'm going to be talking about this in the message today. So uh, this will be a great tool for you. And if you haven't started, you're not too late. We're going like 30 days through it, and there's not 30 days of study, so uh, you could start today and still kind of be on track. You can still finish when everyone else uh, finishes, and uh, t- if you if you don't have a Bible, if you grab one and go to page 294, you'll see the particular... Uh, uh, passage that we are on today. And this idea of being transformed by God's Word, it's not only this one series for four weeks, but it's, it's a theme that we're looking at for this entire ministry year. Um, throughout the year, we'll be bringing up this idea, this truth, and hopefully living it out throughout the year, uh, but really emphasizing that it is God's Word and the power of His Word that transforms our lives. So today we're going to look at Psalm 119, Verses 9 through 16. Uh, Let's listen to God's holy word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as, in, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray together. God, we pray that uh, these words would not only go in our ears, but that you would attach them to our hearts today. We pray that your word would be real to us, Lord. You say it's the God-breathed word. So we pray that your spirit would open the scripture to us today. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond. We pray that you would show us most of all the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would indeed come running to you for your gracious and good and wonderful. God, help us as we are taking this time to learn about your scripture and, um, and walk in your scripture. We pray that you would help us to be a people formed by the word for your glory. Um, and we invite you now to teach us from this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the four weeks, we're obviously not going to cover the whole chapter. We're letting you do that on your own. But we are going to cover this stanza here today that we just read. It's the only stanza in the entire uh, book, or in the entire chapter, that starts with a question. It starts with a question, how can a young man keep his way pure? And so that question is going to sort of direct the study that we're going to do this morning Uh, Before we address why is it addressing someone who's young and why is it addressing a male, before we start there, I want to look at uh, what I think is more important in terms of our uh, understanding the passage, and that's the next phrase, how can a young man keep his way pure? I want to look at this idea of the way, one's way, because that is an underlying theme throughout this chapter. And as you're starting to read it, maybe you've caught that, but that is a theme that we find in this chapter. Look back at the very first verse of the entire psalm, Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. It's speaking of a pathway. A way, a a road, a direction, we could say. It's a theme that is throughout. He's speaking of walking in a path. This is very common in wisdom literature, like in the book of Proverbs. We even see this in Psalm 1. The first psalm talks of this, this, that there are sort of two ways in life. There is God's way. There is the way of knowing and following Jesus Christ. And then there are all other ways, that are a separate path. And so the Scripture, at a number of places, teaches us, encourages us, even warns us to evaluate whether we are on God's path. Just to show you that this psalm speaks of this quite a bit, not only is it in verse 1, look over to verse 19. If you uh, are doing the study, this was day 3, reading verse 19 I am a sojourner on the earth a sojourner is someone who a traveler someone who's on a journey you see the word journey there someone who's on a journey a pathway hide not your commandments from me my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times you rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from your commandments so I'm a sojourner on this path the way we found out in verse 1 but others are wandering from the way Look at verse 32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So I want to run this direction. I want to run on this pathway following you. Verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. So there is a pathway of commandments. You get the idea. Uh, I don't know if you're reading more verses. But this idea of the way or the path runs through this scripture. And in the stanza we just read, verses 9 through verses 16, it makes clear that that the way to stay on God's path is to stay in God's word. We stay on God's path as we stay in God's word. So this idea of the way is central and it's what we're going to really focus on today. But let's go back and answer the question, why is it speaking about a young man? Why is the question of this stanza addressed to a young man? Well, I think it's because, and most most scholars say, it's because the author is himself a young man. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then look at verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Verse 11, I have stored up. Verse uh, 13, with my lips I declare. So he switches this question about how can a young man keep his way pure, he switches immediately into first person. And he's speaking of himself. Probably the young man likely represents himself. And so that's why he's asking the question. It does not mean that this passage applies any more to males than it does to females. It's applicable to men and women. It's just probably personal in nature as he writes. So why does he address young people? Some of us aren't young. So does this have anything relevant to say to us? Well, I think this is relevant for everybody in the room. However, it is particularly relevant to the young. And this is the reason. Because in this theme of Psalm 19 about being on the way, God's pathway, the sojourner, running in the path of his commands. If you are young, you have a lot of path in front of you. And you are at a stage in life where you are making decisions... You are setting the direction for the trajectory of your life. You are making key decisions right now that will determine your destination. The direction you're on will determine the direction to which you arrive. The young have so much in front of them. The young are the ones who are figuring out what they believe. The young are those who are figuring out what they value. You're figuring out who you want to be, who you are. You're figuring out things like, what will I do for a career? Whom will I marry should you end up being married? You're asking the question for certainly those reading this, And if you're from this church or a church, you're asking the question, what will I do with the faith that has been handed down to me from my parents, from the church? For the baton is ultimately passed, and you are on your own to decide your path. Actually, you've always been on your own. None of us can believe for another person. But the reality is you are now on your own, making decisions that will determine your trajectory. I remember when I was a teenager, someone telling me, I don't remember much about what people told me as a teenager, likely I wasn't listening, but I do remember this. Someone told me when I was a teenager one time, you will one day be what you are now becoming. You will one day be what you are now becoming. What were they saying? Well, at some point, like right now, as an older person, at some point you're going to arrive at a destination. And the destination of what you will be is what you're becoming right now. Your decisions now, your beliefs now, your direction now will determine your destination then. And so the idea of the way, the pathway for the young is so important. And as a young person, I just want to address you a little bit. I'm going to address you again at the end. And then most of the message, I'm not going to, I'm going to talk to all of us. But here's the reality is, you know what? It is, it is too early to tell your destination. It is too early to tell. Um, I thought I was thinking about back when I was young, people that I was in youth group with. I was thinking about people that I was in college uh, ministry with in a church. Uh, I was active at the end of my high school years and active in college and I thought about various people I've known and where trajectories led, where life led, where the path has led. And wherever you are, it's not too late to change paths, but, but where, it, where it led by choices made. And I thought, you know what, everybody didn't end up maybe where we would have thought. That I had close friends that I prayed with, that I read the Bible with, that we went out and witnessed to people, we evangelized Together, telling people about Jesus. We went on mission trips together. And I can think about how some of us ended up in all kinds of different places. At one point on the same, apparently on the same path. But later paths change. Or maybe they just mature. One, one guy that I was very close, these are all people I was close with. One guy I was very close with uh, grew up and he ended up going and planting a church, starting a church among an unreached people group. This is a guy whose pathway, the decisions he was making, the way he was moving led him to take the gospel to people in a costly way that had never heard the gospel. Never heard the gospel. Another guy that was very close to, prayed with, went to church together with, was very close to, uh, grew up, my age, uh, grew up to be a significant uh, leader, a civil rights leader in the LGBT movement. And uh, he told me that now he's an agnostic. At one point, we were moving the exact same direction, but he's now an agnostic. Another person that I grew up with, that I was close with, a good friend, uh, grew up and started a church and uh, is still pastoring that church. And today... If it's an average Sunday, there will be 18,000 people at that church. That's their average attendance, over 18,000. People will come here. This guy preached the gospel. We were all kind of doing the same thing. That's where he ended up. Another person I was very close to, prayed with, read the Bible with, enjoyed the Lord with, worshiped the Lord with. I recently looked him up. I was wondering whatever happened to him. Um, And I found him, the way I found him was that he is now a, Registered sex offender for having sexually abused a boy. So, it's too early to find out the trajectory of life. Paths change, paths move, and it is incumbent upon us, it's an incumbent upon you as a young person, to know what path you're on And to do what this scripture is going to teach us today to ensure that you are on God's path to begin with. And then you are guarded to stay on God's path as you journey following him. Now, he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? This, has, uh, this is the classic high school boy. Uh, we're getting together and talking about lust. This is our verse. This is the classic high school boy lust verse, and it, it works there. But purity is more than lust. It has to do with more than lust. Purity is a way of, it is the way of righteousness. It is the way of following God. It is, it is living life, all of life for his glory. It is following Jesus in all of life, not just religious life, but all of our various parts of our life. And, it, and the way we keep our life pure, that is the way we follow Jesus, the way we uh, walk with him, the way we l- follow his path, the way that happens is through the word it says by guarding it according to your word but it's not as we're going to see it's not just familiarity with the word it's not just knowledge of the bible rather the bible must shape our heart he doesn't say i'll stay on the path because i know some scriptures i've heard some scriptures because i understand christian culture it, not at all It's because something more has happened, because the word of God has affected our hearts. Look at verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Do you see how the word guards us? It guards us at a heart level. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He's talking about something that is internal. There are two parts to your being. You have a body and you have an internal person that we cannot see. The Bible calls it your mind, your heart, your spirit, your soul. It's your internal person. And he's saying the word of God to guard us on God's path uh, must not just enter our ear physically, but it must affect our heart. The person here says that he's storing up God's word likely means to meditate on the word of God, to memorize, perhaps, the word of God. He is receiving God's word internally. So how does a young person stay, how do any of us stay on the pathway following God? By living according to his word, but not a mere intellectual understanding of his word, but an embracing of his word that directs our heart to follow him. We could summarize it this way. What we're going to see as we move through this psalm, through these verses, we're going to see that the key to walking God's path is internalizing God's word. The key to walking God's path is internalizing God's word. We all need this, but especially the young. Because if you are young, familiarity with Jesus, familiarity with the church, familiarity with Christian culture will not keep you. You must personally engage God's word, be engaged by God's word at a heart level, at the core level, like where you are, who you are when no one else is around, what you think about when you are by yourself. At that level, no one can do that for you. But you must engage him at that level if God's word is going to direct the path of your life. Christopher Ash, we have two books out there that talk about, uh, that we have for this series. One is Why I Trust the Bible. You bought all those, so we have some more. The other one's called Bible Delight. It's about Psalm 19. You bought all those, so we have some more today of those as well. In Bible Delight, Christopher Ashe writes this. This psalm that we're reading right now is about formation more than it is about information. What he's saying is it's not just information to know and un- understand. It is about forming our hearts, it is about formation more than it is about information. It is about the habits that change the heart. For the word that first enters the heart in real Christian conversion goes on entering day by day and week by week that w- when that word is preached, when it's heard, when it's read. It weaves, listen to this, the word, it weaves its way into the fabric of our spirits. Only the word in the heart can keep us in the way of of the word the word is to be woven into our spirit and it's only the word in our hearts that keeps us in the way of the word so how do we practically internalize God's word well that's what the following verses show us Uh, last week I had three points that all began with D that's not my usual approach but man I am on a roll Because this week I've got four points that begin with D. And so oftentimes, most, nine times out of ten, preachers twist words to mean something just so it has alliteration. But, like, these really are legit, okay? So I had to go with them. But the first one is this, um, is to internalize the Word of God. We must depend on God. We must D, depend on the Word. Look at verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. This is a dependence on God. This is a teachability, God. I need you to teach me, not just to inform me. This is not merely this is not an academic exercise. Remember, we're talking about the way. So if I'm going to walk on the way, if I'm going to be blessed on the way, if I'm not going to wander from the way, if I'm going to run the pathway of your commandments, if I'm going to stay on the path, I need you to teach me, which means I need you to teach me, to show me how to live, to shape me how to live, to mold my desires, to want you, to know you. I'm dependent on you. Uh, One author, Howell Jones, in his commentary on Psalm 119 said, the psalmist wants the Lord to enroll him in his school to make him his disciple. A disciple is not someone that has collected intellectual facts about Jesus. A disciple is someone that is following him at a cost. Take up our cross and follow him. So in order to follow him, Lord, make me your disciple. I want to follow you. This is the prayer when he says, teach me. It is shape me. It is mold my heart. It is form me. It is guard me, lead me, empower me to live a new life following you. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible, which is titled The Message, in that Peterson writes this. This is how he paraphrases verse 12. The ESV that I read said, Teach me your statutes. He paraphrases it, Train me in your ways of, life, of, of wise living. Train me in your ways. This is a powerful prayer. Show me what to do, Lord. Show me how to live. Listen, the reality is we can be quick to ask someone else what we should do. And some of us need to do that more. If you don't get sound counsel from wise people, then you need to ask people. But some of us can be too quick. I just got to find someone else to tell me what to do. Someone else to give me an answer. And we're like a do-it-yourself sort of self-help kind of approach. I'm just going to fix myself or someone else is going to tell me what to do and I'm going to do what they say. I'm, rather than be dependent upon God, and rather than going to God and saying, Lord, would you show me in your scripture what should I do? How does your word form my heart? What is my direction? Lord, what should my direction in this area be? The direction of my family, the direction uh, of my health, the direction of my job the direction of my hobbies, whatever it is in our life. Lord, what, do, what should my direction be? Mold me, shape me, teach me, show me from your scripture, the direction of my relationships. The old joke is that men never stop and ask directions. That joke's lost some of its luster because now we have GPS that tells us what to do. The reality is many of us, male and female, don't ask God for direction. He is the last resort as opposed to the first place we go. So where do you need God's direction or help in your life? I believe the scripture teaches you should ask him specifically. God, help me with this problem. Help me with this relationship. Help me, show, what, show me what does your word say about this financial circumstance that I'm in. You should go get help elsewhere as well. Counsel, wisdom, for sure. For sure. But let's start with God and His Word and ask for help. Teach me your Word. Set me right in the right direction on your path. Your direction is your daily habits, it's your relationships, it's what shapes what you are thinking. And here He's asking God, would you shape my direction? Teach me your statutes. We're to be dependent. If we want God's word to be internal, then we're to be dependent on him, which means asking, humbling ourselves and asking him for help. God will always answer that prayer. Open my eyes. This is in this psalm. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your word. God delights to answer that prayer. He's not playing hide and seek with you. He may not give you all the whys of why this happened with this person or why this happened with this person died. He may not answer all that. But he will give you what you need sufficiently to walk with him. Depend. And number two is declare. I took that word straight from the scripture. Declare. Verse 13, with my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. What does this mean? It means he's speaking the scripture. The rules of God's mouth. That's one of the words. Rules is, There's like eight different words, as I mentioned, that are used to describe the scripture in this psalm. But they're essentially, there's nuance of difference, but they're essentially the same. Commands, word, law, precepts, rules. They're nuance of difference, but they're essentially saying all that God has revealed to himself, in the, of himself in the Bible. So declare. What kind of declaring? Well, the context is important. The context is important. What the passage is teaching us is that we are guarded on God's pathway by God's word. uh, And this guy is saying which he has stored up in his heart. It is the word that keeps us from wandering from the path. It is the word that that we are to ask for God's help on, that he speaks to us about um, and helps us. But the, the declaring of the word here seems to be personal. It doesn't seem like he's evangelizing and declaring the word to people that don't know him, don't know God. We could find those verses elsewhere. It doesn't seem like he's declaring the word to teach Christians. We could find those verses elsewhere. Uh, It seems like he's declaring the word to himself. And here's why I say that. It's sandwiched in between these two ideas. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart. That is through meditation and memorization and carrying your word with me. It's with me. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts, and in the middle of it is this idea, I will declare your rules. So between storing it in his heart and between meditation, there is this speaking of the word. The very idea is that he is internalizing the word, and we internalize the word as we speak God's word. As we say it out loud. This section of the psalm is about walking God's path, which involves internalizing God's word. And one way we internalize God's word is to speak it. There's an oft-quoted section from the writings of um, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a pastor in England in the previous century. And he talks about this talking out loud to ourselves. And uh, particularly, I'm applying it to talking the word of God to us. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you in the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself. You have to preach to yourself. You have to question yourself. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is what God is, what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. It is declaring the truth of God to ourselves. This is not just name it and claim it like I have some, you know, I'm, I'm writing this fanciful design for my life with all of my list of wants on it, and I get a couple magic scriptures and I just say them, and God the genie will give me all the stuff I want. That is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about reciting the word, reading the word, listening to the word so that it is internalized in us so that we know who God is and what he's like it's it's another expression of engaging the word there's a power in reading or saying or speaking the word because the more senses you use the more understanding you have and to hear yourself say something can direct your heart in a fresh way Again, verse 13, I love the Eugene Peterson's paraphrase where it says, With my lips I will declare all the rules of your mouth. That's verse 13. He paraphrased that. I will transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. All the words that you speak to me in the scripture, I'm going to transfer that to my lips and I'm going to speak them. Speak God's word as you read meditate and memorize God's scripture it facilitates this storing of God's word in your heart let me read you a story that i found very very provoking it again is in the book by Christopher Ash that's out there uh, he writes this about this verse i was speaking one day to a korean who is a missionary in japan he told me privately, not trying to impress but to share a blessing, that it is his practice to read 20 chapters of scripture aloud to himself each day. He reads it aloud so that it is a multisensory experience. The word reaches him through his eyes as he reads, through his mouth as he forms the words, and through his ears as he hears. Every 2 months he gets through the whole Bible. And he said, it is such a blessing. I find that sometimes the words catch me. That is, they catch hold of him and take him by surprise. They ambush ambush him with grace and joy. And they weave their way into his heart. It would be good to learn from this Korean brother. As as from our singer, meaning the author of Psalm 119, as for our singer to read the word of God aloud so that we both hear it and speak it. It is the word of Christ and therefore the word of grace. It is the word which alone has the power to change the human heart. Listening to God's word. He is dependent upon God. God, teach me. He is declaring the word. Number three, he is digesting the word. Verse 15: I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Meditating. I'm using the word digest because it has to do with consuming. Meditating is sort of a consuming of God's word. It is considering God's word. It is pondering God's word. It is to mull over God's word in our mind. It is maybe to write down some thoughts about God's word as we think about it. If I could use a comparison, if reading, straight reading God's word, that's like drinking. Drinking you just drink something and swallow it. You read it and swallow it. But meditating on God's word is more like eating, not drinking. It is chewing, savoring, enjoying. It's bite-sized pieces that we chew for a while. And as we do that, we are affected in our hearts. Again, I'm quoting Peterson a lot today, way more than I normally do. His section here was phenomenal, I thought. He says he even uses that idea of eating in his paraphrase. I will meditate on your precepts, is the ESV. He says, I will ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. A morsel is a small bite to eat. Every small bite that you give me, God, from your word, I will ponder that. Meditating isn't fast. And so it's difficult for us because we live in a world of distraction where we can't, we can't even sit down and concentrate. We, many of us have taken in so much media, so much social media, so much noise, so much activity, so much distraction. I mean, we've got the, we've got the attention span of a housefly. And we have to retrain by the Spirit of God. We have to retrain our brain just to sit still and to meditate. What does it mean to meditate? Well, it means that in an age of constant distraction, we slow down and we turn everything off. Turn the phone off. Shut the laptop. Turn the TV off. Turn the music off. Turn the kids off. This means you may have to get up earlier than your children to read or after they go to bed, then you can read in silence or they can have playtime in their room because this is really important for you to have some silence to do this. So you turn the children off. You turn everything off and then you slowly sit down to think carefully about a sentence of the Bible, about a phrase of the Bible, sometimes even a word of the Bible. And you begin to think, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about me? Does this reveal some sin in my life? Does this encourage me with the grace of God and forgiveness? What does this tell me about the wise way to live? What does this tell me about the character of Christ? What does this tell me about God's purposes on the earth? What does this tell me about an attitude or an action that God is calling me to embrace as a believer? What does this tell me about the comfort I have in being united to Christ or having the Holy Spirit within me? And the the interesting thing about this is if we will slow down enough to meditate, this chapter describes meditation as connected to delight. Look at verse, so, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. Look at what comes before it. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. Do you see it's a sandwich? There is delight in the word, meditate, delight. Meditate is the meat of this sandwich, and delight are the slices of bread. Sweet, wonder bread. That's, it is... The sweetness of delight. Look at verse 23. Same thing. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will what? Meditate on your statutes. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. One verse, I will meditate. Next statement, delight. Verse 47 and 48, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, verse 48, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. So I I find delight in your word. Does that mean I have a Bible? Does that mean I have a Bible on my shelf? Does that mean one time I read a verse? No, that means the delight comes in the meditation, in the chewing, in the savoring, in the enjoying, in the digesting of God's word into our lives. It is work but rewarding work. And I'm going to encourage you to, to try it this week. Try, as you're, if you're going through this booklet with us, each day, you know, has a different stanza. So try this week to take a stanza and maybe just select one verse out of it. There's eight each day. So maybe you could select one verse out. And then the four questions at the bottom, maybe you could apply it to a verse and not eight verses. You know, what does this teach me to think about God? in his word does this how does this move me to, to feel about god in his word what does this teach me to apply in my life how will i pray about this truth you see you could take those kinds of meditative questions and just take one verse a little bit at a time and think about it and write down what comes to mind i'd encourage you to write in these some if you write in your bible that's great write in your Bible. If you do that, there's nothing sacred about, those, about the physical pages. You can write on it or uh, you can't see this back, but I've written all over my scriptures each day. I've circled things. I've connected things. I've written little comments to myself. That's, that's meditating. It might be writing something down. It makes the path delightful. That's what the psalmist says. And that's the last word, delight. So we're dependent We declare, we speak God's word, we digest God's word, and we delight in his word. Not only is delight our destination, but it is the journey itself. Look at verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. There's that word way. In the pathway, in the journey of your word, I delight. Last week, a big chunk of the message was about learning to delight in God and delight in his word. And I was trying to make the point that really the the key to a consistent devotional life is delighting in God and delighting in his word because we all do what we delight in. And there's seasons where it's dry. There's seasons where we go, where are you, God? Those are different psalms. They're in there, too. Like, God, where are you right now? In God's face, complaining. We have those psalms in the Bible. But this psalm is much more about delighting as we encounter him. And while there may be seasons of dryness, I believe God's will for us is to experience uh, in a more normal way, some kind of joy in him in in his word, even, even in times of difficulty, we can have joy in him. So I talked about that last week, but these verses show that it is internalizing God's word that keeps us on his path and that fosters delight. So to the believer who says, I don't really get anything out of God's word. First of all, thank you for being honest church is not a place to play games. It's not a place to dress up. It's not a place to act spiritual. It's not a place to be a little more godly than the next person. It's a place to be God, to be real because God already knows us. We're not fooling God. So if you don't get anything out of the Bible, if you maybe are a Christian, you say, hey, if I'm honest, I don't even like parts of the Bible. Just be honest about that because you're not going to get on the pathway by acting all spiritual. So first of all, I want to be real For Christians who say, I don't delight in the Bible, I don't really get anything out of it, it may be because you're not internalizing it like we're talking about here. It may be because um, it doesn't seem delightful because you're not asking God to teach you. You're not learning anything new. There's no hidden treasure that's opening up before your eyes. There's no new discovery. There's no sense of God when you read it. So ask him to teach you. So that's that's the depend. Maybe you've never spoken it. You think, well, I've kind of read it silently. Have you ever taken the section that we just read and read it three or four times out loud? Listen to it. See if it would catch you like the testimony of that ministry. Maybe you've never digested it. In other words, it's just been like drinking. It just goes right through your mind but you've never stopped, chewed, you've never taken a verse, thought about each word, what does it mean? Prayed about that. You've never gone through that kind of process, and maybe so you've never really delighted in it in that way because you've you've not sort of uh, experienced it in your soul. It is to foster delight. Maybe you've never had this multi-sensory approach. Last week, I was advocating a multi-sensory approach. Um, I was talking about listening to God's Word, reading and writing God's Word, or writing your thoughts about God's Word. Now we're talking about speaking God's Word. We're talking about reading it silently. Man, I got an app on my phone. It's absolutely nuts. The world we live in, the technology we have is ridiculous. I have a Bible app On my phone, where you can select the voice of the person reading the Bible to you, like Siri or something—I don't know. I like that uh, that British guy's voice or whatever it is. You select the voice, and then you select the background music. So you can have ambient music, you can have guitar, you can have piano, you can have piano and cello. Pick your background music, customize it with your voice, female or male of choice, and they'll read you the Bible. I mean, we are spoiled. This is insane. This is an absolutely insane. What they can't do is put it in your heart. That happens as we expose ourselves to the Scripture. So it may be that you're reading it but not internalizing it. It may be that you're reading the Word, but it never leads you to the Word, Jesus. It may be that you're not connecting to Christ as you read. It may be that you find engaging Scripture to be burdensome. You find it to be discouraging because you don't see Christ In the Word. But the Scripture always leads us to encounter Christ. Here's one way that we encounter Christ in this passage we're reading today. We encounter Him because we realize of all the lofty ideals in this passage where we all say, I haven't done that. I'm guilty of that. I will not forget your Word. Oh, I've forgotten His Word. I will not stray. Oh, I have strayed. I will declare. Oh, I've gone times where I haven't declared. I will store up your Word in my heart. Oh, I haven't stored up. Plenty of time I have not stored up his word in my heart. So we read this and we say, well, that's not where I am. But Jesus completely fulfilled this passage. He is the only one to seek his Father with his whole heart, verse 10. Christ never failed to seek the Father. He is the only one who's never wandered in thought Or indeed, Jesus is the only one who has always obeyed the word and never sinned, verse 11. Jesus is the only one who always declared truthfully the word, verse 13. Jesus is the only one who always fixed his eyes on the Father, verse 15. Jesus is the only one who has never forgotten God's word, verse 16. He fulfilled the law For us, he engaged God's word constantly. And when he was tempted in the desert by Satan... What did he say to him? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus confessed, I live by God's word. I live according to God's word. I, Jesus, he never broke God's word. He obeyed the commandments perfectly. And here's the deal. When you first believed in him and came to Christ as a believer, all his obedience was credited to you. Do you know that when you read this psalm, have you ever thought about this? That God declares you righteous in Christ, the Bible says. So God relates to you as one who has always sought him with his whole heart. But I didn't. Jesus did, and you receive His righteousness. God views you as one who's always stored up His word, His word in your heart. One who has always declared His rules. One who has always meditated on His precepts. One who has always delighted in His statutes. You see, it is in the righteousness of Christ that we open up this scripture. This is grace. So here's how this plays out tomorrow morning when you wake up. If you have, if you have to read and internalize God's word in order to be accepted by him, that is drudgery. However, if you read and internalize his word because you are already accepted by him because of grace, that is a delight. That is a delight to wake up in the morning and say, I want to know more of this God who pursues me. I want to know more of this God who has forgiven all of my sins. I want to know more of this Savior who has taken all my sins upon himself and has endured the judgment of the Father for my sins. I want to know more about this God who will never leave me nor forsake me. I want to know more of this God, the Holy Spirit, who's called Comforter, who comes through the word and comforts me today. How would I not want to know that God? It is grace that draws us to him. It is legalism that makes reading the scripture a drudgery. It's one of the very reasons I think a Bible reading plan is great. We're going to talk about that at the beginning of next year. It's one of the reasons we didn't put dates on here. Because there's this legal oh, I'm a day behind. Oh, no, I didn't please God. You know, there's this legalism thing with, oh, i got to measure against, oh, my, my, my friend in the community group, oh, they're, they're caught up to date, and I'm two days behind. There's this compelling legalism in all of us to do enough to be better than others and earn God's forgiveness and acceptance and love. You can't do it. You are accepted in Christ. And when we get that kind of grace... When we realize the Bible is a word of grace, it draws us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Paul writes, listen, to walk God's path, we must internalize God's word. And that word is a word of grace. It's the word of Jesus. And he awaits us to reveal himself to us by the spirit. Two, two ideas to apply and we're done. We're out of here. One is seek to internalize the scripture this week. I've kind of made the point, I think. But if you're doing the study, then what you can do is think about these things we talked about today. Open your time of reading the scriptures dependent. Lord, this this chapter says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your word or in your your law. Uh, God, speak to me. Help me. Teach me. I'm needy. I'm sleepy. I'm dull. I'm confused. Uh, It's been a while since we've talked and I've read. Speak to me, help me, humble yourself, knowing that God will answer that prayer. Number two, declare. So this week you may come to a new stanza and read it out loud and read it out loud again. So you may have to get a place where you can do that. I mean, maybe that's awkward if you're reading at the coffee shop or whatever. So you may have to find, you may have to find a place where you can speak out loud, but do that. Read it to, in that way. See what happens when you declare the word. Then digest the word. I already made the suggestion. Pick one verse maybe sometimes and just spend all your time on that one. Um, that would be something. And then delight in the word. Look at verse 16. It says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So see how you can carry the word into your day practically. So this week you read a section. Maybe you meditate on one verse. Maybe you write it on a note card. Maybe you type it into the notes app on your phone. Um, and so you can review it during the day. I've been carrying this around in my backpack, so I have it with me at all, most, most places. So I could just pull it out and look at it. And re- I will not forget. Well, the truth is I have forgotten. I have had so many times I've read God's Word and then totally forgot what I read an hour later. Much less by that night. Yeah, I remember reading. I don't really remember. I was reading, then I checked the scores on my phone, then I sent two emails, then I went back to it, you know. So it's shutting all that down and then carrying it into your day. You delight as you carry it with you. Seek to internalize the scripture this week. Maybe you memorize a verse and work on it all week and uh, store it in your heart. So see what happens if you internalize. Ask God to help you internalize. And the last thing, I'm going to close by saying a word to the young people again. As the person told me, you will be what you are now becoming. And you want God speaking to you on your path, you want God shaping your heart, you want God directing your heart. And there is a lie that you can go a different way and come back later, you can go a different way, and you'll be all right, you'll go a different way, and what someone else's experience won't be yours. Let me just tell you, lovingly, you are not the exception. You will not be the exception. The word of God doesn't work that way. You're not the exception. We all are headed to a destination and you can't get off the path and get on another path and walk your whole life down that path and end up at the same destination that you would have. I heard a story this week about the, read a story this week about the exception. It was about a guy, exception on the pathway. It was about a guy who, on a family vacation. They would vacationed in this spot before. And so they're going somewhere. He goes, I know a shortcut. It's got the family in the car. I know a shortcut. Uh, Meet every dad on vacation. I know a shortcut that can get us there quicker. When they got up to the shortcut, there's a sign that says, uh, road closed. Road closed. Do not enter. Road closed. So he decides that he's going to go ahead and go around the sign and take the road, to which his wife wisely. saying, no, don't do that. It says road close. And yeah, don't worry. I know. So he starts going down the road and they're on it by themselves, which for a normal person would have been a concern, but for him was wonderful. Uh, and he began to relish in the fact how discerning he was, how wise he was. Look, we've gone miles and we're going to make, we're going to, we're going to cut ourselves a lot of time, save a lot of time because I've gone down this road and he is gloating Uh, There seems to be no problem until he finally, after miles, comes to a spot where there used to be a bridge uh, that has since been washed out. And he's at a dead end. So he turns around sheepishly and drives back with no gloating as they've now added time to their trip because he has ignored the sign and gone down the road as uh, as he desired, as he thought. Would work, and as he comes back up to where they got, where they went down the closed road, there was the sign that said "Road closed, do not enter." Road closed. Now he's approaching the back of that sign, and the back of that sign says "Welcome back, stupid." (laughs) He thought he would be the exception. And while it's not my intent to call anyone in the room or any young person stupid, if you think that you can walk your own way, develop your own path, navigate your own original ideas and ignore God's word, if you think that you can do that and end up at the destination of glory, the life that God has for you, well, you're stupid. It's, the Bible would call it foolishness. It is foolishness, and the good news is there's enough old people like me in the room that'll tell you, by experience, we've seen the sign "Welcome back, stupid." Okay. <laughs> there's a few of us that's like life motto kind of stuff. Okay, <laughs> it's like a few people got that tattooed somewhere on their body. Well, that, that's their life story. Okay, so you don't have to do that. You can get you can stay on the path, be guarded on the path, walk with God, and it can be a delight. But it happens by God's grace, as we ask for his help and as we internalize his word, not just leaving it out here, but having it shape our heart and our lives. And if that's you, you know, jump on the path today. You can turn to the path. If you've been faking it, acknowledge that. That's okay. Questions are okay. You doubt God's word. You don't even believe God's word. Open up and talk about that with someone today might be one of the youth leaders might be someone in the young adults ministry if that's where you are might be your parents might be a pastor might be a trusted friend but someone that you can open up with and don't fake it because you are on a pathway Uh, if you're on a different pathway you are not the exception God invites you to his path And so I want to pray, if you want to be on that path, you just turn to God today and you ask him to forgive your sins and grant new life. Just like the two people we had in the baptistry today telling their story. It was powerful. Powerful. Could you pick up, they're grateful to be on the pathway of the Lord, that they're off the other path they were on. You can do the same by just trusting Christ. And if you've wandered, you can wander right back on today by grace. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at org.